If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know how I like to talk about a gut biome test. I call it a fancy poop test. It's a fancy name for a poop test. And it's going to tell us what the ecosystem is in your gut. And why that's important is since food's the best medicine, it's going to tell us, here are your superfoods just for you to eat. Here are the foods for you to avoid. And here's everything else. Eat this a lot. Eat this a little. Now, my team has been very busy and they got an amazing deal. For anybody that wants to do this test, you can do it at home. You don't need a doctor's orders. All you have to do is just go to Viome, V as in Victor, I-O-M as in Mary, E.com, Viome.com. And at checkout, use the secret code, Julie Ryan, and you'll get more than 50% off. Don't put any spaces in there, just Julie Ryan. It's an amazing test. It's going to give you tons of information. I've done it several times myself, and you're going to be thrilled with the information you get because it'll give you a program just for you. Give it a whirl. Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all over the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And we have Jason Zook with us this week. And what an interesting guy. I was on his show and I said, I need to have you on my show (laughs) because... He's a lawyer who's a psychic. And uh, so we are both people who are professionals that have learned how to do woo-woo. And uh, what an interesting guy. You're going to love him. Jason, welcome to the Thank show. You. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, it's such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Oh, my delight. And when we filmed Jason's show, when I was a guest on Jason's show, it was funny because before we went on air, he was saying, okay, this, this, and this, and this is happening in your future. And I see this and I see that and all of that. And I'm like, whoa, because all of it, everything you said is all in the works. It's all (laughs) stuff I'm working on. So he was right on with everything that he said, you guys. And I thought, okay, this guy's legit. I need to have him on my show. So let me tell you a little bit about Jason. I'm going to read your official line here, and then and then we'll we'll hear from you how it's different. Jason's an attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, and New Jersey. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Tampa, his law degree from Nova, Nova Southeastern University, and a master's of law in international and comparative law from Georgetown. A few years ago, Jason realized he had psychic abilities and began helping people better their lives. His podcast, The Social Psychic, that's the one that I was on, covers topics such as spirituality, life after death, the mind-body-spirit connection, 
meditation, and other healing modalities, self-improvement, UFOs, the paranormal, missing people, and much more. So that gives us a plethora of topics to discuss, Jason. And I'm, as I mentioned, I'm just delighted that you agreed to join me and, uh, and let's, let's dive in. Let's you're, I, I think you're, uh, you're similar to me in that you do a buffet of psychicness. You've mentioned, you don't necessarily do the medical stuff, but you do a lot of other things. So tell us how you knew you were a psychic or did you learn how to do this? In 2004, my grandfather passed away. And when he died, orbs of light came to me in a hotel room in Wisconsin. I was at a deposition for my job at the time, working for another firm. And the unconditional love washed over me that night. And it alerted me to the fact that I went and got food. My grandfather came to me and said, son, I love you. Don't worry about me. I'm always going to be with you. I love you. Don't ever grieve me. I had no, no worries after that. The unconditional love, the wave of unconditional love I had just completely supplanted any kind of grief or any kind. Because this is the man who helped raise me. I was a single parent, raised in a single parent family. My mom, her dad is my father, basically father figure in my life. And when he passed away, this is what happened. He came to me, orbs of light. And it's an experience words can't even describe. I'm sure you understand when you deal with spirituality stuff. There's certain experiences that you can't put a word for it. And it changed my life. And that's when I first realized I had intuitive abilities that were you know, that it woke me up, so to speak. So do you believe that that was your grandfather? And oh, were, there, absolutely. Was, were there other entities with him or was it, it was, him represented in multiple orbs? It was my grandfather completely. And it was funny because I had my first mediumship experience that same night, an hour or two later with my best friend from high school. She had called me and asked me if I was okay. Cause she heard about my grandfather passing. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I went to Panera bread. I'm in the drive-thru right now getting food. And she was shocked. And I started picking up on her deceased grandmother and gave her some specific messages that night that made her kind of cry and not expecting it. And, you know, that kind of thing. So it was, uh, it was just my grandfather. And I've had a lot of experience with him since then. He comes to me in dreams, uh, things that sometimes get materialized from a dream. Um, I was wanting a birthday card from him in 2008. And I was really sad that he'd been gone four years. He came to me in a dream that night, told me to clean out my closet at 2 a.m. I went in my closet at 2 a.m. The actual time of my birthday was at midnight, you know, start at midnight for that 24-hour period. And I found the birthday card I was looking for. I didn't know it existed. It was stuck in the top of a college trunk, like a little lockbox from Walmart, one of those lockboxes. So I've had physical manifestation from something I was thinking about in the spiritual realm in the dream context. And all of a sudden, I have this birthday card from my grandfather, the last one that existed. It was like the best birthday gift I've had in the last 20 years. Oh, so was it a card that you hadn't yet received or was it an old card? It was an old card that I, I don't hold on to cards. I throw cards out, but I just happened to be nostalgic in 2008, that time of my birthday, because I was like, I just wish I had a birthday card. My grandfather and my grandmother, because my grandmother died a year earlier. And that was like the nostalgic thing, because I was so busy with my law job that it was a year after her death and his death that I started getting this nostalgic sadness first time since their passing and last time since. And when he gave me that, when he brought to my attention, he told me, son, get up. I don't care what time it is. When you get up, go clean out your closet. It was two a. And he said, happy birthday to me in my dream. So I knew it was him. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of those kind of experiences and not just me, my mom, my brother. So my grandfather materializes to us in a spiritual context. Okay. Terrific. Well, how did, were you afraid of the orbs? When they first showed up or did it just feel comfortable or were you like, whoa, I feel like I'm in a sci-fi movie or something? You know, 
you know the old-fashioned unsolved mystery episodes from the 80s and 90s you know you watch it and you're in the picture it like i was an unsolved mystery episode to myself if i was watching it and experiencing it it felt like it was an out-of-body experience but it wasn't i was there that's that's the only thing i could register it with was am i living an unsolved mysteries episode right now because wait that's my grandfather wait i'm not sad he really did die and i'm okay like i know he's okay i love him and that love transcends death that's the experience i had no fear about that at all i just knew how did you just knew? Just the just thoughts knew. came into your head. Okay, this is my granddad. And he communicated with me telepathically. He said, Son, okay. I love you. Don't ever grieve me. Don't ever worry about me. I'm always going to be with you. I'm always going to guide you. I love you, son. Go get some food. Take care of yourself. Don't worry. <laughs> and that's when you got to the Panera drive through. So simplistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the most monumental figure in my life at yeah. the time because he's raised me. He's supported me. He's done everything, you know, that a father would do for a son type thing. And he passed and I, was able to transition with that experience with him when he when he came and visited me and opened up my intuition. Well, you've mentioned one of my favorite places in the fall because they have squash soup that's killer. <laughs> and I'm in that drive-through <laughs> at least once a week getting squash soup because it is fabulous. Yes. So there's a plug for Pranera. I'm not even getting paid, <laughs> but it's really that good. So check that out. All right. So you mentioned that he's appeared to other people in your family. Do you come from a spiritual background or a family where there have been psychics? And so it's kind of an accepted concept in your world. Great question and synchronicity here. So my mom came on my show a couple of days ago and she's never been on my show and we never talk about spiritual stuff. It's just like an expected understood thing, but we don't discuss it. My grandmother, my mom's mom, we're Slavish, Czech, Eastern European, Hungarian type descent, Russian. So we had that area of the world we're from. And I asked my mom, my show, so mom, when did I first, when did you first discover we had psychic abilities? And she mentioned my grandmother, my great grandmother, they had something they called feelings. They didn't talk about it in psychic terms back then, but they knew not to disclose it to anybody. They kept it to themselves. And my mom said that my grandmother used to get itchy, itchy palms. And we lived in New Jersey. So she used to go and gamble at the dog, the racetrack when she got the itchy palms. And my mom said she would win lump sums of thousands of dollars during those days. It wasn't like she hit and made $10. She would do this itchy palm thing and then go and gamble. Next thing you know, she's coming back with a couple thousand every time. And my mom has also won a lot gambling in a casino with slot machines. She'll go over to different machines and just, just feel like she picks the energy off it or something. So, and my brother... He actually texted me a couple of weeks ago, uh, scared that his ceiling fan caught on fire and he knew about it a few hours beforehand. And then his AC went out the same day and he knew that too. So I'm like, yeah, we're, we're, we're intuitive. It runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Everybody has the ability and that's what I teach people yeah. all over the world is how to do all of this stuff. I learned how to do it. I didn't come in with dead people chasing me from childhood, <laughs> or if I did, I didn't know it, let alone what I would have done with that information. But everybody has the ability. And I think we turn it off at the age of about six or seven because we have adults tell us or other friends give us a hard time about it. And they'll say, oh, you're weird. Or adults will say, oh, that's just your imagination. You really don't have an imaginary friend. I can't see your imaginary friend. Well, they had turned off their psychic abilities decades before that. But kids, all kids can see spirits. All kids can pick up psychic information. So it's interesting to me how many cultures, most cultures and most 
nationalities and and all of that have had people throughout the ages who have been seers or fortune tellers or astrologers. I mean, certainly throughout history, I always think of King Arthur and the round table and Merlin, the magician, you know, he was the advisor to the King and popes, all the popes had spiritual advisors that were astrologists and seers. They called them seers at that point, more so than psychics. And I think that there are a lot of people even today that utilize these skills. I know certainly I have clients who are CEOs of very large publicly traded companies. And I talk to some of them quarterly and we go over what's going on in the company, you know, what's, what's coming up in the future. The thing about the future, I always say is that the future is fluid Yes, because there are so many variables that can, can come into effect an outcome. So I can give you what I'm getting today doesn't mean it's not going to be different tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Do you it's like find a weather the same forecast? Yeah. I tell people it's like a weather forecast because free will can change a lot of things. And you can't, like when people or clients of mine ask me, oh, am I with the person who's my end all be all? I kind of laugh and I say, well, if you want me to answer that question, you're robbing yourself of free will. You have the right to have free will for yourself and whoever you're with to work at a relationship. Sure. I could tell you the probability of compatibility, but you've got to still fill and do the work fill in the gaps. And it's the same thing with what you're saying in, in terms of the future. Time is is fluid. I don't even think time exists on the other side. I think it's it more of our existence here. So right. when you look at time and you say the future, I feel like the future is, is something that is probable, it's likely, but it's not set in stone. We can change our, our futures. That's right. I always say time doesn't exist in this spirit world. Time's a human creation. And so that's why in the spirit world, a hundred lifetimes in our understanding of a hundred years of peace may not even be a blip on the radar screen in the spirit world. It's just time. The whole concept of time doesn't even exist. Exactly. And I, I'm deceased loved ones that communicate with me over the last, you know, 14, 15 years, they all say, Oh, when, when so-and-so the person in front of me, when they cross over, it's like a, a, a flash of light for them because on the other side, they don't have the time that they have to worry about waiting and pining, you know, that's us. That's not the other side. Exactly. So what's your technique? What do you do when you're going to give somebody a reading or whatever you call I, it? I, I take three deep breaths. I do a little breath work for some, I just developed that on my own. I take three deep breaths. I clear my mind and I tune into someone's energy. And then when I re- read the energy, whatever comes through in that reading is usually connected to the energy of the person. So I can pick up current events with the person like, you know, tell, Oh, so you just got your haircut. If they're not, you know, if it's a phone call, Oh, you just got your haircut. I can tell, or, you know, whatever the various things are, if they ask about somebody, I can pick up the connection between them and someone else and relay the dynamics of the relationship. It's just various different things. Well, so when you are doing a reading for somebody, do you edit what you get? Do you paraphrase it? Do you tell the person exactly verbatim the information that's coming into your head? How do you deal with that? I call it the zone, I guess. Um, I relay the information and it's always a healing tone. It's dealing with clarity and reassurance and those kind of things. When I do mediumship stuff, it's usually to help people with their grieving issues or you know, trying to get unresolved conflicts with deceased loved ones. So the information will flow. And when I connect it, it comes through. So I don't edit anything. It's just, it's, but it's, it, I can feel it. Like you probably can, you can feel when it's connecting and you can feel that dynamic of the 
information that comes through. I don't edit anything I get because I believe I'm the conduit. I'm the yeah, facilitator. We're just instrument. It, it's spirit working through me and with me. Uh, and people say to me, well, what happens if somebody's got cancer and you're seeing cancer and they don't know it yet? Will you tell them? I say, absolutely. I do. The information that I receive, I believe is spirit working through me and with me. And if I'm getting the information, they're supposed to know it. I also believe that everything can be healed, whether it be a medical situation or a psychological situation or a financial situation or whatever. It's all part of the learning process. Have you ever had anybody uh, come to you and say, okay, you have to prove to me that this is really my grandmother. And I've got some questions. What color was her hair? What color was, what was her favorite (laughs) color? You know, what did she like to cook the most? What that kind of thing? Have you ever had that happen? I just consider what we do so serious that I don't, I don't entertain people that want to test me. I mean, they can doubt me, but when I pick up the information I pick up, it's not about being tested. Oh, what color, what color dress did my grandmother wear on her 50th birthday? I don't know. I wasn't there. Sure. She could tell me the color dress, but I'm not going to be here and subject to your testing me because you have doubts or uncertainty. I tell my clients, come to me when you know, and you are open. I want to work with people who are open. I, I mean, I've worked with people in the past that are closed off and I, I've convinced them and persuaded them with the information, but skeptics are skeptics. I think what I do has to do with healing. And I think what I do has to do with clarity and reassurance. And if somebody's not secure enough in themselves to understand what we can do in our maximum potential as a psychic or intuitive, then I don't want to sit down with somebody like that. I feel like I could spend my time with somebody who appreciates the value of what we, we do. I, I have had people over the years do that. They'll say, well, you have to prove to me that this is really my grandmother. And I'll say, I'll say, all I can do is just give you the information that I get. And I took a line that you said when I was on your show, you said, this isn't a game show. It's yeah. not like, you know, getting a bunch of questions right, which I thought was a great line. But it's it's more, I have actually uh, refunded money to some clients that said, well, that's not what I want to hear. You know, I want to hear this, this, and this. And I said, well, well, I can't control what your deceased loved one, the information that they're conveying, first of all, and you coming in here with a set thing of what the answer is that you want to hear. And if you don't hear that answer, it's incorrect or it's not your grandmother. I had a guy, oh gosh, a couple of months ago, I guess, and and uh his deceased wife, I mean, he was just in the throes of grief and his deceased wife was telling him stuff about that he needed to go get checked that were medical things. She was telling him things about deceased loved ones with whom she was spending time in heaven and all of that. And he goes, well, I don't know any of those people. I said, I don't know that that really matters. You know, She's telling me who she's spending time with. Go research it. Talk to somebody in her family about her aunt Bertha that she's playing pinochle with in heaven or whatever. And so he was, he was not happy. And so I cut off the appointment. I said, you know what, this is supposed to help provide comfort for you. And I can tell this is agitating you. So I'm just gonna, let's just cancel. Let's just stop now. I wish you all the best. And I'm just going to refund your money. And he, he was fine with that. And I think it's really important. And I know I've, I've read a blog of yours about ethics with psychics and people who are medical intuitives. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that, because I think in this woo-woo world, certainly there are charlatans in every 
industry and there are scammers and people that are going to be frauds, but, but what's your code of ethics and, and tell us a little bit about the blog that you wrote that I thought was really well done. Thank you. I come from the point of reference. This is where I can say my point of reference being a professional as an attorney has instilled on me the, the ethics of the legal profession that we're all sworn to abide by a minimum competency, minimum uh, way of, of respecting and treating what we do. And so when I started doing the psychic mediumship and the intuitive readings that I do in 2016, 2017, my first frame of reference was, well, I have these ethics rules as a lawyer. Let's see what exists for psychics and intuitives. And when I realized, wait a minute, there's nothing that's that's like that because it's not considered accredited. It's not considered within the mainstream. So my position on my, I think my blog entry was, I, I wrote an article about it and I had my opinion about it. I said, we should have some type of uniform. If we can't get consensus amongst professionals ourselves, we should have people commit to strive to abide by some type of ethical conduct that would represent the minimum threshold for psychics and intuitives giving readings to others so that the general public could have greater trust in us so that they can respect what we're trying to do. It's like what you just brought up with your example. I've turned down somebody a few weeks ago when they called me, I was on a Zoom call talking face-to-face with somebody and you could just, the energy was all shuffled and I felt the anxiety of this person. And they kept asking me, if I don't take the the COVID vaccine, can you predict that I'm going to live? And I, I was like, look, I'm not playing God with your life based on you calling me for a reading. It's not worth my time. It's not worth you asking me. And if you have any questions about your vaccine and your health, see your medical professional. And I, I concluded that reading after a few minutes because I realized there was nothing I could do there. Now, that is exactly we need to be our own gatekeepers. We need to be our own gatekeepers with the public. I've had people reach out to me two weeks after the brother died or the son died. And I felt the energy. I was on the phone with the caller. And I said to the client, I said, listen, you're still going through deep grief. I would recommend you talk to a professional or work through certain issues before you make an appointment with me. Because I believe there's certain timeframes that we can do our best work for somebody if they're grieving a deceased loved one, or if they're looking for a certain type of advice or guidance. So that's where the ethics rules, I think would be so important and so positive as a development, if intuitives understood that and respected it as boundaries of our actions and how we should behave when we're working with the public, because we're being entrusted. I know for entertainment purposes only, and I put big quotation marks up when I tell you that, but we're being trusted by the public. And if we're giving a service, you know, we should be able to be held to a standard with that service. Well, I talk a lot about everything that I discuss with a private client is private whether it's medical or deceased loved one or whatever. I had a client this afternoon that her best friend had recommended me and her best friend is a graduate of my class, my angelic attendant training class. And I said, she's going to not going to know that we've spoken unless you tell her. Perfect. Because I, I, and the interesting thing too, Jason is when I'm doing a medical scan, I'm in and out of different realities. Certainly I am with everything else too, but especially the medical stuff and medical healings. So I'm going to remember the person, but I'm not going to remember what was going on with them and what the healing was and all of that. Cause I'm in and out of different realities. Yeah. And so it's not going into my conscious memory, not to mention, I talk to thousands of people a year and do scans on them. So I don't know that I have enough bandwidth in my memory. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough gigs or multi gigs or whatever they call them, but 
but the other thing that I that I tell my students in my training is when you're when you're in alignment and you're in spirits working with you and through you, you can't do any harm because you know how doctors are do no harm in that that's part of the oh. Hippocratic oath that they take. And I I say we cannot affect anybody else's thoughts. Nobody can affect our thoughts. When we do healings, we're bringing the healing to the person. Then they're integrating it into their body if they choose to. And they integrate it in a way that best serves them with what they're going through in any given moment. And I I always mention nobody can heal anybody else, whether you're talking to a deceased loved one or you're talking to a deceased pet or you're doing a past life thing or you're doing a medical thing. And I use the example of when somebody has surgery at the end of the procedure, the surgeon closes the incision with surgical staples or sutures. The surgeon doesn't make that person's skin grow back. The patient makes their own skin grow back. When you're doing a session with somebody and you're talking with their deceased loved one, you can't control how that's going to affect that person. All you can do is communicate the information. When you agree with that? Yeah. You know what? You're speaking exactly the language I abide by the things that I say to people, I can't control what comes through from your deceased loved one. It would be, it would really be odd for someone to expect us to control the flow of the information from the other side with the deceased loved one. Like who are we to tell them what they should say and how they say it. And in the order they say it, right. That's, that's robbing your deceased loved one of their own ability and volition to decide what they want to say and communicate to us. And so we're a conduit, like you said, and the recipient is usually the one receiving the message and should be the one that understands it. We're an instrument. That's how I look at it the same way. I don't think we have any harm that we can cause to anyone. And I believe that when it's legit, we're doing a lot of good healing work on an emotional and spiritual level for people on a deeper level than physical healing. Well, and along those lines too, I think when we stay open and we just report what we get, I, uh, an example is coming to mind. I had a client a couple of years ago and she said, both of my parents died very quickly one after the other. And she said, I have their ashes. And she said, I don't know what to do with them. Where do they want them? And so we were talking to her, her parents telepathically and they said, uh, and this girl like lived in Boston. I think she lived in new England someplace. And she, and I got, they want you to spread them in Yosemite. <laughs> and I thought, really Yosemite. So I just report what I get. I said, they want you to spread them in Yosemite. And she started crying. And I thought, Oh Lord, I've offended this woman. And she said, no, no, that's where they were married. <laughs> I love I, it. And I, I think it. that's a great example. Do you have examples? Yes. Of, yeah, yeah. What are some examples that you've. I'll give you an example. So a couple of years ago, I was in, well, 10 years ago, I was in Mississippi and this is before I was an open psychic. And I had a client that I settled their case and they decided to take me to a really fancy restaurant in Mississippi in gratitude. So now we're, we're no longer attorney client relationship. So we go to eat and I'm in the restaurant and I start talking and she knew I was intuitive because she's intuitive herself. So the boundaries of, you know, talking to a former client about intuitive stuff at that time were friendly. Her case is settled. Everything's signed. The check came in. So our relationship as attorney client ended. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, your mom. And she's like, what? And the whole table, it's her, her daughter and her husband. And I knew them for two years. I said, your mom wants me to tell you that you never understood how she died or how she passed, but it was actually a targeted killing and it had to deal with the mafia. And it was in New Orleans. 
And she was floored. And I said, and by the way, and I looked at a husband, I said, your mom is telling me something that she doesn't want to be like, there's a wood box with a bow. And she's saying she doesn't want to be, she wants to be closer to you guys. So at the end of the dinner, we all went back to their house because she had to show me something, right? My point was your mom wants to be closer to you. And she showed me this wood box with a bow. So we get back to the house. She goes out to the garage because they had taken stuff out of the house while they were cleaning up after Katrina. And she goes, this is my mom's ashes. This is the wooden box she's in. And this is the scarf she she wore when she was buried. And that's the box you were describing. And I was like, wow. And, and just have, and then she did actually die in new Orleans and they do believe it was a mob hit that she was, she had knowledge or information. This is in the sixties, seventies, this wasn't anytime recent. And so that kind of thing, you know, is one example. Another example, I had a couple call me about a, um, a Sunday, their son had committed suicide and it was about six weeks afterwards. And the husband contacted me through email because the wife went up to see a long Island medium show, uh, Teresa Caputo. And when she went up there, uh, they didn't, she wasn't able to have an audience with Teresa. So the husband decided to find me psychic medium. He looks me up. He reaches out to me and says, my son committed suicide. And if, I'm a skeptic, but if you can get me any information, I would love it. So I called him back on that Friday and we talked and long story short, I, I picked up on his son for an hour, had a direct conversation with mother and husband. And the information was so spot on. We all cried. I don't ever cry during readings, by the way, but this got so touching because I got so involved in it when I read that I felt the communication and the release of that negativity about his passing. And, you know, he had committed a suicide. He didn't mean to kill himself. He actually wanted to do as a cry of help. He hung himself thinking he would survive. He passed away. He wanted his dad, like all the things that his dad was wondering, he confirmed for his father. So it was pretty powerful. Wow. What's your understanding of what happens in the afterlife? Well, I know you have your theory. My theory is that it's like nature. It's part, at least what I get from everyone who comes up, you know, everybody has their own interpretation, but I get that it's like the actual crossing over part is like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV is the, the, the description that it's part of nature. So if I was to tell you, are you breathing? Anyone in the audience, are you breathing right now? Yeah, we're all breathing. But now I bring it up to you. You'll pay attention that you're breathing for a few seconds, right? Or sleeping, eating. Uh, anything that we do with our automatic, automatic, autonomic you know, nervous system, things we do automatically in our body, that's the kind of energy I get about death. It's an automatic process. Just like when we're born, we don't control that process. It happens. We are a participant. Well, I believe death's the same way. I feel like it's preordained that when you die, you cross over to the other side and it's like falling asleep. I mean, the, the psychological or the, I, I would say your consciousness of crossing over for people who come back and communicate to deceased loved ones. And they talk to me at the same time. They say, just relate to my loved one. It's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. If you think of that image in your mind, you're going to realize it's a subtle process. It's like breathing. It's like any of the things in nature that we do as human beings. And as such, it's, it's, it, the body doesn't suffer. You know, when you, when you separate from your body and you cross over, the body doesn't suffer at all. You don't suffer in pain. It's a transition. No one's you know, gone forever. We're not dust to the wind. We're actually energy and 99% of who we are. I use the analogy of a Cadbury egg. If you think I love Cadbury eggs and I love the gooey stuff inside and the gooey stuff inside, I tell people that's spiritual energy of us. And we're the body is that, that, that very thin Cadbury egg. And when you crack open that egg, all that essence is our spirituality. And when we cross over energy connects us to where we go and energy also connects us to our loved ones here. So my theory is that love is the connector that connects us with our loved ones. 
and that it acts as a conduit, like an umbilical cord spiritually between us and our loved ones where they can communicate with us all the time. I feel like that they have constant communication, like a Wi-Fi signal that never goes down, but most people don't know how to pick up on it. And I'm sure that's how you could teach people how to, how to get in tune. You know, the more you are grounded, the more you're balanced, the more you're open, the more you are open to receiving, that's when you start getting the information that we are all capable of doing. Well, and I believe that we're getting led all the time. We have ideas coming in throughout the day, every day. We're just cognizant that it's coming from spirit because we think thoughts originate in our heads and they don't. Exactly. originate in the ethers. What have you heard from spirit about heaven or the afterlife? Is it like a big park? I've seen different mediums and psychics say, well, there's this big hall of records, Sylvia Brown, who's deceased now. She talked about the the hall of records and it looked like the Supreme Court building. (laughs) Ironically, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's because all the deceased loved ones have their own impressions when they come back, it's their experiences, but they don't really bring up heaven and hell to me. They bring up the fact that they are in the next spot. It's like a summer camp for them. If you want to relate back to the seventies or eighties before we had phones and people were at a, a summer camp and you could write letters back and forth and you had to like, just trust and know the person's okay. That's what this is like, except instead of letters, we'll get synchronicity. We'll get little messages and signs. We'll get birds. We'll get pennies. We'll get dreams. We'll get songs that line up times a day, angel numbers, all those subtle cues that I've learned to read in the several last several years. I feel like we could still communicate with our loved ones. They just communicate differently because they're energy. They can flicker lights, whatever it is. It's uh, that's my belief. Yeah. Sometimes when a spirit passes and the energy in the the remaining loved ones home starts doing funky things. Yeah. I get a call and they'll say, what the heck is going on? And I'll say, they're just back in spirit form and they're, they're getting used to their energy because it's different when they're in the body because it's so much more dense. And I have a, a friend who her grandmother passed and her grandmother and her mother, it was her paternal grandmother. And they had a snarky relationship. <laughs> Grandma, raised my friend. They were from uh, Caracas in Venezuela. And so uh, my friend was saying she was at the kitchen sink and her mom was peeling potatoes or something. And she said, I watched the light switch go up on its own. And then I watched the disposal switch go up on its own. And she said, grandma, leave her alone. She's just (laughs) here peeling potatoes. Grandma was messing with the mom. It was hilarious. Yeah. 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 My um, my grandmother was snarky with my mom and I was closer to my grandmother at certain intervals than my mom was because in the last three years of their life, they had to live together and they just didn't get along. And I remember my grandmother, when she crossed over, she doesn't really come through as much as my grandfather does, but she still comes through on her occasion. And she still gets a little snarky even now, like joking around my mom, like, you know, things that she'll say will be like, you could tell it's her personality. Like she comes through the loved ones for me. Like my grandmother will come through to my best friend who's a psychic. And she'll bring up things. And I know it's my grandmother's energy. You just know those personality traits of that person when they cross over stays with them. It's my understanding that the personality traits stay with the body when somebody dies and that all spirits are just pure love, but that when they're communicating with a loved one, they're going to assume some of those personality traits. So the loved one gets that that's who they are and they're, they will say things that will resonate with the person and they'll say it sometimes in a way that it's funny or it depicts 
their sense of humor or their orneriness. Maybe your grandfather had an ornery streak or something. And it, it's it's so that the person who's receiving the information can perceive that it really is their deceased loved one. Interestingly, like for my grandfather, when he comes through, it's usually to reassure me when I'll have big decisions like, oh, I'm switching office space. And I went and got lunch. And then all of a sudden there's a penny on the floor of my desk. I knew I didn't have a penny there before. And I was contemplating as I was walking back, grandpa, should I move to a larger space? Cause I'm growing. And he said, yes, move. And then I moved and it was a good move. Like things like that'll happen. Or if I'm making a big, a big decision in January of last year, I was making a big decision. Should I sign up new business and let go of the stuff that wasn't really benefiting me and just like move on to new stuff. And I had a dream. And in my dream, I woke, I, I was woken up at 5 55 AM by my bird at parrots and my parrot woke me up a minute before my alarm went off at 5.55 a.m. For some reason, my alarm was set for 5.56. I have no idea why. So at 5.55 a.m., I get up. My bird made a weird sound. I got up. I jumped up, went to check on my bird, saw that the alarm, and then my bird went back to sleep. And I'm like, this is weird. So then I went downstairs. I was like, okay, 5.55, angel number means let go of the, you know, trust, have trust and faith and new things will come through for you is basically what I got intuitively. I go down to do my laundry two minutes later, and there's a, a coin in the middle, a penny base up in the middle of the washer machine. Which, by the way, two years earlier, I destroyed a washing machine engine because I had too much change in the pocket and it went into this. So I don't leave change in my pockets. I have a sign up that says, have you emptied your pocket? To remind myself because I had to replace the washing machine. For me to find a neatly placed penny in the middle of the washing machine as I was going down the steps and saying, Grandpa, do you think I should let go of the old and let, and let the new in? And that was his yes. And I'm glad he did that because here I am now with a better outlook and a better perspective. So yeah, it happens. Great. My understanding of spirit guides, obviously your grandfather's your spirit guide. My main spirit guide's dead Pope, Pope Clement the sixth <laughs> uh, and angels and deceased loved ones and all of that is that it's all spirit, the big amalgamation of spirit, all the collective consciousness, if you want. and that information comes through in a way that we can receive it. And in our human form, we're used to people who are seen as either being an authority figure or a tutor or a mentor or a loved one like your grandfather is to you. And we can as more easily assimilate the information when it's delivered through somebody that we can recognize from the spirit world. Is that what you understand too, Jason? Yes. I understand the same way. Usually our loved ones will come through with a distinct relationship to the person that they're communicating with. So if it's usually I'll pick up on someone's deceased relative and it's a connection. It's not usually just some strange person on the other side, picking up information for the person I'm reading for, or for myself. You know, it's usually there's a connection there. That's how spirit guides work. At least my understanding of it. Because it's more believable, I think. I I use the example of the movie Contact with Jodie Foster that was out a long time ago. We watched it, Tim and I, my husband and I watched it, I don't know, six months ago or something. And oh my, they had the big old computer screens and it was (laughs) probably from the 80s, maybe the early 90s. And at the end of the movie, if those of you that haven't watched it, um, a spoiler alert here. turn off your hearing aids. But at the end of the movie, she's on a different planet and her deceased father is walking on the beach and she comes up and she hugs him. Well, it's the alien from the other planet that's in the form of her father. 
so that she's not afraid of them. And she gets that it's a different reality because she holds her hand out and it's like a plasma like mm-hmm. uh, atmosphere, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. So I think that's a great example. That movie is full of woo woo. Whoever wrote that, <laughs> I'm telling you, whoever wrote that movie knew a lot about woo woo. That is Frozen 2. Frozen 2 is full of frozen one too, but frozen two is really full of woo woo so much so that I use, I use a lot of examples when I teach this stuff from frozen two. So what are ghosts in your opinion? Do you think ghosts exist? What are ghosts? Have you ever heard of cozy earth bedding? It's your ultimate luxury escape. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating and incredibly soft, and they even have a 10-year warranty. They're made from organic bamboo and silk, are hypoallergenic, and even antimicrobial. Cozy Earth sheets are so amazing, they've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row, and I have them on my bed right now. So, if you're ready to elevate your sleep, Cozy Earth has a special offer just for my listeners. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code AskJulie for a 35% discount. That's C-O-Z-Y-Earth.com and use code AskJulie for a 35% discount. Upgrade your sleep with Cozy Earth Bedding. I love them and so will you. I believe they exist. I believe that there's spirit energy that can come back and manifest in such a way to communicate. And I I haven't been as involved in hauntings, to be honest with you. I mean, I've had experiences where I've been in older buildings myself. I went to college at the University of Tampa. Our main buildings were all like 70 to 100 years old or over 100 years old here in Florida. That's considered a unique thing. And so I I know what it's like to be around energies like that. But in terms of haunting or that, you know, you see on TV, some of those type of things, I haven't had any of those kind of experiences directly. Now, I do things like missing people, deceased people who have been gone. I'll pick up on their energy and I'll communicate with them, but I don't consider that a ghost. I just consider that spiritual energy I'm communicating with. There are people who have experiences with what they call ghosts. And it's probably more of a fear-based thing than it is anything else that they don't under anything. We don't understand. We fear most the initial reaction. So in that respect, I think that there could be uh, spiritual energy that could be, you know, playing jokes on people and menacing, or I just don't, I don't invest so much into the whole, you know, exorcist type idea where you, you have those concentrations of dark energy and stuff like that. I don't think, I don't believe they exist. Yeah. I, I believe that spirits all pure love. I believe what ghosts are, are to your point, spirits that have come back and they want to explore the human experience as a non-physical being. And I've had several encounters with ghosts. And my favorite one is about uh, my daughter-in-law's grandmother at Thanksgiving. She was cooking Thanksgiving dinner and her two daughters, my daughter-in-law's mom, my in-law, I guess, are they my in-laws? And they were standing in the kitchen and they watched these antique utensils come up off the wall and fall on the countertop and the floor. So they're (laughs) on the phone with me going, what the heck is going on here? And so I, I did, you know, like the next day or something. And so I did a instant replay 
of what happened. And I saw a Confederate soldier. This was here in Alabama. I saw a Confederate soldier and a and his father, who had overalls on with suspenders. And the Confederate soldier was looking for his little girl. His little girl was lost. And they were spirits. Spirits looked to me like holograms yeah. of, you know, like beam me up Scotty from Star Trek. And and I got their name. I got that that was a farm that they lived on. I got all this information about them. Well, one of the grandsons went and looked it all up. Guess what? They found the deed to the property. They found the name. They found all of that. What I did was I reunited reunited the daughter. She was little. She was about six or seven with her father who had died in the Civil War. And, And I watched them walk into this bright plasma wall that's heaven. That I see heaven. Sometimes when I see ghosts in places, I'll call in other family, deceased family members to come beckon them into the light. And that works really well too. But there are no such things as evil spirits. Those have been the same way. They're, well, they've been propagated by cultures and religions to control the masses. And I then agree with you. <laughs> the, the publishing industry and the entertainment industry has picked up on it. And it's just, it's propaganda, you know, you have to boogeyman. Well, yeah, you hear something enough and then you just believe it. I mean, we see that all the time throughout history where the propaganda machine, whether it be in the media or or letters by carrier pigeon or whatever. And to your point, we're all hardwired for fear. Yeah. So interesting about that. Yeah. Okay. UFOs. Yeah. Tell me about UFOs. I got into UFOs because my best friend, Megan, I keep bringing her up. We uh, we actually started our own show called Psychic Visions. We're on like the first episode of it. But she got me into UFOs because she's an experiencer. She's actually experienced UFOs. And at first, I was a bit skeptical when I first became closer. Like, nah, these aren't real. And I went out on her, her family's ranch about three years ago in January. And I literally saw my first UFO where I saw an object take a 90 degree and shoot off, like two 90 degree turns. And shoot off and i felt the energy of an alien um trying to just basically i felt the energy it was it was interesting it was like a telepathic type spiritual experience for me and i knew for a fact that what i was looking at was a ufo it was just off in the sky at a distance but i felt this the the psychic energy of it it's hard to explain it but it made me a believer and then i saw one another time in here in tampa i saw what i believed was a ufo as well and I believe they exist. So for my show, we've had MUFON on, um, one of the organizations that investigates sightings and, and those kind of things. And I've, I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by it. The same way that somebody who's listening to our pod, you know, your podcast right now might be intrigued in us being psychic and intuitive. I have the interest to say, who are we to think that we're the only ones out there in this universe on this one spinning rock among billions and billions and billions of universes, planets, whatever it is, we don't even know how many, it's probably infinity. How how are we to even think that, you know, like for me, if we have intelligent life that can go across the universe, the odds are just like you said, that there aren't likely bad spirits. I don't think there's bad aliens. I don't believe that if some, some species or some life form has evolved to the extent that they can commute, you know, come across all those billions of light years distance to come to us then they're not coming to us to destroy us. But I also think they stay out of our way too, because they may think we're like ants, that we're not advanced enough to understand them. And so there's a whole, there's a whole 
aspect of that that intrigues me about UFOs. And I think it's been covered up. Why has it been covered up, do you think? I think it's been covered up because I believe that society itself, the those in the powers that be governmental organizations and and you know, the, I'm not a conspiracy theorist type, but I would just say that if if our governments know that there's uh the idea of a UFO, like alien life forms and all those more advanced life forms than us, think of how much that's gonna shake the foundations of our society. It's kind of like what we talked about earlier in the call when we were, we're our, during our interview, when we we're talking about, you know there's certain control mechanisms at work in our, in our, in our order of things. Right. And if you're going to say, Hey, you know what, we're not the biggest uh, pecking order. We're not the biggest fish in the pecking order. There's actually something larger than us. That's more advanced and evolved by billions of years. I'm assuming it's going to create some chaos in our society. So that's why I think there's a cover up right now. I, I think they're dripping it out very slow, slow drip. I have a, I know a guy who's a, I call him the Dalai Lama of military strategy. I mean, this guy designed, his name's John Warden. You can look him up. He's a retired colonel in the air force and he designed the um, desert storm whole air campaign when they went into Iraq and they took down multiple uh, they took down the power grid. They took down a bunch of things simultaneously. And if you remember, you may have been a toddler back in I remember. the Iraq war. I was um, 16. So I remember. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were young, but they, uh, they surrendered really fast. So anyways, this guy designed the whole thing. And, and some of us that are, some of you that are listening will remember general Schwarzkopf and yeah. People like that. So anyways, I was asking him one time, I said, is Area 51 really a thing? And he said, well, you know, not that I really expected him. This guy's got security clearances above Black Ops. Black Ops is higher than top secret. You know, his security clearances at the time were even higher than that. And so he said, all I can tell you was as a pilot, if you flew by there, they'd shoot you down. (laughs) I said, really? One of their own planes? He goes, yeah, that's what they threatened people to do. And I thought, whoa, I have seen uh, other planets in doing scans for people. I had a guy call into my show early on. I think it's episode 31. I just did 275 last night. Graduations. Yeah. So episode 31, and he called in and he said, can you see if I have any past lives in which I was an engineer? Because I'm an engineer in this lifetime. So I do past life scans, I call it. And I got this, this picture of him and it looked like a Star Wars set. I'm thinking, okay, there's flying vehicles and there's tall buildings. It literally looked like one of those cities in a Star Wars movie. And I said, this must be futuristic. I said, I, I, and then I asked what the year was and it was in the 1930s or 1930s. And I thought, okay, this is past life, but it's on a different planet. So anyways, what I got was he was in charge of the power grid, the, you know, all the flying cars, everything that powered the electrical, whatever. And I said to him, what kind of engineer are you? And he said, I'm an, I'm an electrical engineer and I work on jet engines. And I said, okay, there you go. He designs big jet engines for, he did for GE, I think at the time. And uh, I thought, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, Which is fun. So I agree with you. I think that it's really arrogant of us to think that there isn't life 
elsewhere uh, and only here on earth. I, I think, how can that be? And then I look at the pyramids and I think, how did they move those big boulders? Those big- whole ancient aliens show on, on the history channel that's on Friday nights. And, and I've been watching it for years. It's a whole theory about ancient alien civilizations helping our ancient world and the pyramids. And I just find that it's, I'm, I agree with you. It's very fascinating. Well, and the pyramids were covered with quartz. Yeah. And there are some schools that thought that the pyramids and there are pyramids all over the world. I didn't know that. You know, yeah. we learned we learned about the Egyptian period pyramids, certainly the Mayan pyramids, they look different, but they're still a pyramid shape. Yeah. But apparently there are pyramids in the US, there are pyramids all over Europe, there are pyramids like all over the world. And and there are some schools of thought that they were they were not only communication apparatus and a communication apparatus, how they're positioned as far as latitude and longitude, kind of like a uh, intergalactic internet kind of a thing, but also there, they have a lot of healing chambers. A lot of them had wa- have water in them. And when you go inside of them, there's documented research showing that for instance, if somebody's blood sugar's high and they go in and they're in there for an hour, so they come out and their blood sugar's normal or their blood pressure's high or things like that, which intrigues me, you know, mm-hmm. from the, from the energetic healing standpoint, Absolutely. have you read it? Have you heard anything about that on your, I, your I heard interesting, interesting things about that. I believe that there is ley lines and energy vortices. And I think pyramids are involved in that. I think I w- I've been to Sedona and when I was there, I, I could tell you with native American artifacts and those kind of things I got to see and go to the grand Canyon and you feel the energy. At least I'm very sensitive. I'm sure you can too. I feel that energy. So I know pyramids have energetic um, connections. And I think those energetic connections can heal us. I also think that they can give us insight and, and provide us with information that we probably don't get other places. I think they're energy generators. And my take on it is that we are all energy generators as well, especially when we connect into spirit. So I am fascinated with all of that. I just think it's amazing. Where was the ranch for your friend where you saw the UFO? Eastern Hillsborough County, about an hour east of Tampa. Interesting. I thought you were going to say someplace in New Mexico or wow, here in Florida like that. Cause you know, New Mexico supposedly has, oh. has UFO stuff all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I think that more and more of it's coming out. I do think that again, as with anything, you got the conspiracy theorists, you got the people that are censoring <laughs> the information coming out, all of that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It'll it's be, been a, the, yeah. it's been in the news recently where it's, they're starting to release some things, but you notice when they start that they make it all about what they're releasing and then you watch it or you, there's, it's, it's like a, it's like dropping something on a Friday night at eight o'clock at night. You're not going to on a three day weekend. You're just, they're doing it in a way where they're drowning it out, but what are they really revealing as of yet? I don't think there's been anything decisive by the government or anyone with the government to officially confirm the presence of UFOs. They can't refute it. They just can't refute it in the negative, but they haven't confirmed contact. They haven't confirmed, you know, the existence. They just, they're open to allowing people in the military to say, yeah, we saw these amazing objects that we were flying, you know, all that kind of stuff's finally coming out, but right, they haven't right. taken it all the way to where they should. Right. Right. Full right. disclosure. 
Talk to me about what your understanding of the mind body spirit connection is. Sure. Um, I believe that we are spiritual beings and that our mind, body, spirit represents the adequate representation of that type of existence that we are so focused. So many of us are focused on the, the body, which is the physical body. And we're starting to understand our minds better, which is intelligence and the brain and psychic energy and all that. But then there's also one extra layer, the spiritual layer, which is the largest yoke of all, I believe, that connects us to everything, to each other, to the universe, to the afterlife and all those things within. Um, and I think that that if you can get alignment and understand the mind, body, spirit dynamic, then you ground yourself and you increase your opportunity to becoming more spiritual and more open by studying it and, and accepting, you know, the idea that we're not just physical beings. We're going to learn more about the mind in the next 20 years than we've ever learned in the last 2000 years. And when it comes to spirituality, I believe technology is going to catch up and we're going to be able to determine how someone leaves the body. We're going to have evidence with some type of device in the future that will actually measure the body at the time of death with someone's spirit transcending. I think that's going to be something that happens in the next 10 years or so, 15 years. I'm involved in a project at the University of Arizona called the Soul Phone Project. And it's university-based research that has proven that there is life after bodily death. And they're working on a, a device that's going to be kind of like a app on a cell phone where Love you're it. going to be able to communicate with your deceased loved ones. How cool would that be? Think it's about really it. really cool. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And I think you and I, and this is what I teach is how to do it in your head. You just do it in a second. But for those that, that have, have whatever <laughs> trepidation about doing yeah. that, that they can go to an app on the cell phone and talk to grandma who's in heaven <laughs> and have a, conversation with grandma. I mean, is that going to blow people's minds? Do you have to happens? pay your cell phone bill for long distance charge? I don't, I don't know. That's a really good, that's a really good <laughs> overage <point>. minutes. <laughs> I'm going to have to find out about that. That's a great question. I haven't thought about that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. What do you say to skeptics when they approach you and you say, well, you have to prove this to me. How do you deal with them? Prove who you are to me and I'll prove who I am to you. If you're not going to prove who you are to me, then why do I need to prove who I am to you or what I do? I, I work with people who know what I do. I work with people who are comfortable with what I do. If someone's a skeptic, go school yourself. You know, I was a skeptic for 10 years. When I first had my first spiritual experiences, I was my own skeptic. I was my own critic. I didn't want anyone knowing that I had this thing that was happening and I kept trying to turn it off and ignore it. And the universe had other plans for me. So if someone's going to be a skeptic, I got my time's limited. I don't have the time to spend trying to answer what color hair your grandmother had on March 5th, 1997, I'd rather help people who need the help and want the guidance. And so if you're a skeptic, I would just say, school up, <laughs> buckle up, school up. And when you're ready to come back, talk to me, we'll talk spirituality until then tune into one of my episodes. <laughs> I would just say, I don't deal with skeptics. I just don't yeah. feel there's a need for it. I, when it's rare that I'll have somebody say that to me every once in a while, well, you like, you know, once in a blue moon and they'll say, well, you have to prove that to me. I say, well, really, I don't. <laughs> Not at wanna, all. If you want to talk about it, fine. If you don't, let's talk about something else, the weather, exactly. you know, football, whatever. And 
And I'll say, maybe this just isn't for you. And they'll say, no, 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 no. I want to hear about it. <laughs> and I'll say, okay. And then I'll, I'll scan them or something and nail something. They'll go, wow, there's no way that you would have known that. And I'll say, yeah, that's just kind of the way it works. But I don't feel, I like you, I don't feel the need to prove anything. It's like, if you want to talk to me, great. If you want to talk about this, fine. If you want to talk about something else, I'm fine with that too. And I think there are some people out there that are afraid that they may get something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you're giving the information that's coming in, it doesn't matter if you get it, you can't get it wrong. Exactly. You're just relaying what you get. And you, again, you can't control what the spirit is that's communicate, what they're communicating, and you can't control how it's received. I always say spirits are really literal. So be concise and be very specific in how you ask for guidance if that's what you're looking for, because it can come in and it's very it's a very generalized question and the spirit's always going to give you a correct answer about how applicable it is going to be predicated on how you ask the question. Exactly. Do you find the same thing? I do. And I agree with your concept that that spirit is is not harmful, like spiritual energy. It's all meant to heal and help. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I dwell on the bright side of things and look at things as everything we do is meant to heal and give clarity and help give reassurance and all those kind of things. Well, and when we go back to the concept that spirit's going to communicate, but then it's the person who's who's receiving, it's exactly. their prerogative if they implement the information they get and how they implement the information they get, we can't affect that because we can't affect what anybody else thinks. And therefore nobody can affect what we think they can't, they can't control it. You know, they can't control unless we let them. Exactly. So people say, Oh, I'm so stressed out about what's going on in the world right now. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I go, well, change your perspective on how you're looking at it because nobody can control your thoughts and your thoughts create your reality. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Tell me what you think of what is happening in the world right now with all the pandemic thing Mm -hmm. and the political unrest and the natural disasters and all that. What's your perception on, on what's happening? Interesting synchronicity there. I had an interview this morning. I was talking to somebody about the same topic. And one of the concepts that we were talking about is when things aren't in order, people fear. And when people fear, they start to be out of out of communication, misinformation, fear creates conspiracy theories, which create all these differences of opinions and people get fixated. I think we're in chaotic times right now. And I think most people in our on our planet are in, have, have gone through a process of fear that they've overcome either individually or as, you know, families or whatever it is, we've all gone through that. I think it's part of the process of living through the pandemic. We were confronted with the situation where, you know, and and one of the things we talked about my other show was, you know, the governments didn't necessarily handle this in an orderly way. It's not like, it's not like, you know, break glass and let everyone know that we have this mass pandemic happening. It was like, it was done in such a way. And I know you can't plan for a pandemic, right? But the way that it was, it happened for everybody created chaos and fear. You know, we were locked down and we were, we were given misinformation from day one. And I'm not blaming the government. I'm just saying that as our human brains and our, as we try to make sense of things, get our, our, our arms around it, and we're in fear about it. That's why we have so much discord right now. That's why there's so much conflict and there's so much dissension. And I think in the future, if we're able to create, you know, 
better connections and, and greater love with each other, then we'll be able to cross those divisions in the future at some point. I think it's going to take time. I think the pandemic has to end. I think social justice, my show focuses on social justice issues because I really do think from my vantage point, at least, it's something that we have to address as a society to come together and work with each other. And I think spirituality is one of those things. It's like the glue that holds it all together. Because when you look at life as a spiritual, uh, from a spirit, spiritual lens, a lot of the issues we're plagued by can be handled and resolved. If you look at it from, hey, we're not all different. We're actually pretty much the same. Our spirituality connects us. We're all spirit and we're all earthed in these little Cadbury eggs, I call them. Like, you know, everything is, you're not going to judge somebody by the car. I mean, some people judge people by the car they drive, but you shouldn't. So why would you judge somebody by the color of their skin or the makeup of their physicality or the way they carry themselves? So for me, all those kind of things, it's like Rubik's cubes. We've got to organize. It's things in our society. We've got to take action to heal each other. We've got to come together. And the only way we can do that is if we accept that we're spiritual beings and we're not just plagued by these material things on this planet. Yeah, I, I kind of look at all of this as somewhat of a, an opportunity as, a, for instance, like a metamorphosis. I think people who said, oh, I always wish I had more time to read. They had more time to read because they weren't, they were working from (laughs) home and they weren't commuting. Or I wish I could spend more time with my kids. They got the opportunity to do that. I wish I could uh, do this, do that, learn how to cook, learn how to do this, whatever. And as a result of that, a lot of people are reevaluating what they're doing with their lives is, am I really in a job that I want to be in? Do I really want to be on the freeway for three hours a day commuting to my office or not? And I, I think it's giving everybody the opportunity to create out of the conflict, which is why we're here. We're here to create. That's why we incarnate. We create when we're done creating, we die because that's the only time we don't have conflict is when we're all in heaven. And so, and then we go back to heaven, we come up with another adventure where we can come back and we can create more stuff, right? Whether that be material or music or poetry or- I love that. Or whatever. And so I think it's been an opportunity for all of us to really create the lives that we want out of knowing what we don't want. And it's, it's been interesting. I have people say to me a lot, how, how do you stay so positive? I say, I I look at this, like I'm watching a Tom Clancy movie. It's like, you can't make this stuff up. It's more than a Tom Clancy movie, right? It's like, (laughs) yeah. But again, our thoughts create our reality. So people who are in fear are creating more opportunities to experience fear. And people who are saying, okay, I'm going with the flow. We'll just see what happens. I'm fine right now. My two minute role is this going to kill me in the next two minutes. Nope. Okay, good. All's good in the world. Go on next. And, and so much of the fear is stuff that we make up that yeah. never happens. I agree. And, you're you're and, speaking my you language know, right there. <laughs> you know, watch, you watch the news and you're just, you, you're just wanting to take a gallon of, of, uh, you know, some kind of antidepressant after you watch some of these news stories. And I just say, so if it does that, you don't watch it or watch it from a perspective of, isn't that interesting? I wonder what's going to happen next. What are they going to do next? What's It's like a chess game. Who's going to do what next? And all of that. Well, what a delight. 
to get to spend this time with you. Please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your show, all of that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can find me at the socialpsychic.com. And I'm also on Instagram and social media. My handle is the social psychic. Uh, my show is actually on my website. And if you Google the social psychic radio show on Google, you'll find the links for it. It's on most platforms. Uh, I've loved my show. It's my creative outlet. It's given me something that's enabled me to meet someone like you today and develop relationships with someone like, you know, I, I love if anyone in the audience has a desire to podcast or be creative and they put it off, I just say, be creative, do it, dabble, learn, do, because you can, it's a vehicle. Creativity is a vehicle for us. And so for me, the stuff with the social psychic, it's, it's my vehicle. It's my ability to expand myself from feeling like a, a victim in the past with the pandemic feeling trapped. I decided to expand on my show and it's, it's something that I love to do. And I just want everyone in the audience to know that, you know, you can control a lot more in your life than you realize, and you just got to commit to it and make decisions and you can do a lot. Exactly. Lawyer by day, psychic <laughs> by night. Yeah. And on the weekends too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join thank us. You. Sending you lots of love, everybody from sweet home, Alabama and Tampa too. And I'll be back next week with a regular, regular call-in show. So enjoy your week and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.